Hello, everyone, and welcome to Euphoria Worlds, Episode 5. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or SoundCloud. Apologies again for the delay in getting that last episode up on Spotify, but hopefully it's up now and all things are running smoothly. But as always, I'm Dracos, joined by Frost Gurn, and we're here Hello. to talk about the exciting week of the semifinals. And if you're wondering why I'm saying exciting, it's because we're saving the depressing part for later in the podcast, team. So it's it's been a mixed bag of a week as an EU and an international fan, and I think that overall... This is gonna. This is gonna be an exciting one, folks. Uh, we got an interview with Mickey X coming up later. He did a losers interview with Lore. Shout out to him for making that one happen. Obviously, a very tough time to do it. Uh, if you haven't seen it already, there's also the press conferences out there. There's some very interesting answers from the G2 side. Really, really mixed bag of a press conference. Before we talk about Downwon Gaming versus G2 Esports, we got to talk about Sooning versus Top. Sooning versus Top was a hype series. I was ready for game five, Frosco. I was ready for it. But, you know, I I don't know if Top earned it. Sooning just I, looked to me like clearly the better team on the day. Uh, Yeah, I think that it's pretty fair that Sooning have proven themselves to be more, more of a dark, or more than a dark horse and actually a contender. What I found really interesting was uh, really the differences in priority. We had a bit of a discussion about it on the analyst desk. You know, mm-hmm, you have mm-hmm. the LCK side of the bracket, the LPL side of the bracket. And the LCK side of the bracket, there was heavy priority in the G2 Dom One series over uh, picks like the Twisted Fate. And it was really about counterpicking support. The Leona pick became a big one. And Leona pick was still a big one in this best of five. But there was much higher priority on Lee Sin due to the nature of the and talent of the Lee Sin players. And the counterpick uh, priority turned into getting the counter not on support, but on top lane in specific. Like if you go back and look at the draft phases, red side, so, so I'm just gonna like overload you with information. Yes. All through group stage and plans, blue side was like considered the OP side. Like blue side had a predominantly higher win rate. Mm-hmm. It was uh, the side that people were excited about. As soon as we swapped over into quarterfinals and best of fives, red side has now been just exploding out of proportion in terms of uh, priority. And in both the LPL series, the top, versus Fnatic and uh, Sooning versus Top. Counterpick went to Top, the position. Yep, the position, not the team. Yes. Sometimes it did also go to, sometimes Counterpick Top did go to Top, folks. Keep up with this year. <laughs> this is things like the Scions, the Vladimirs, the Singe, like regardless of what team was over there. And then if you were on the LCK side of the bracket, it almost always went down to the support pick as Counterpick. So mm. I find that really interesting as now we're going to see an LCK team versus an LPL team. I know that's like a very roundabout holistic way of the 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 tee up that you just had there but yeah it was really exciting but i'm like wow there's some really big differences about what these teams are prioritizing and how they think this meta plays yeah it's actually it is really crazy to me how vastly different it is because i even just looking at this um you know this game one draft if we ignore the bands we just look at the picks Jin trade on the opposite side for Lisa and Ezreal into set Oriana. This looks like an like an LEC week nine draft. Maybe, you know, the round one of playoffs with like super high Oriana blind prior. This looks like a completely different meta. I haven't seen set jungle in forever. It's like Xerxes alive and well and playing on stage again in front of me. That pick really threw me. And the fact that Twisted Fate, the priority didn't drop, the priority disappeared. And I think that like on the one hand that that's really cool because i think that it means that we have two really completely different metas like you're talking about but it also it leaves so many open kind of question marks heading into the finals about what is actually good right now <laughs> right because obviously for for top and for sooning they're coming up in the same league they're going to be playing against each other and we haven't actually gotten to see very many 
international games. We got kind of a taste in Top versus Fnatic. We got a little bit of a taste yesterday in Damwon Gaming versus G2, but we've mostly seen, as you said, the LCK side of the bracket and the LPL side of the bracket. And I don't feel like... I wonder who really has this meta figured out or if, like, ultimately the moment where we finally learn what the world's meta really should be is in the world finals. That feels kind of cool to me. And it does feel like each meta... uh is decided by the series that each series has its own different mm-hmm. rules that go according to it. You know, if you don't have a twisted fate play on your team, then TF's obviously going to drop down into priority. Not that I doubt that Knight and Angel can't play it, but obviously that there were more important things. And it it seemed to be that the plan was, and this was true for the domestic games from Sooning, which was about uh, giving Ben a favorable matchup and then funneling and giving him resources and time and, and energy um, from the squad. And it felt like kind of like the two... I'm going to say the three most important things for Sooning were uh, counterpick for Ben, um, hard CC setup, primarily on, on Sorter, like the Leona pick was still really high uh, priority for the team. And then having a, a coordinated 5v5. Like, obviously, if they can get the better jungle matchup, that's always going to be advantageous. But SOFM actually went away from more of being the heavy resource style. In fact, the game that they lost was his Kindred game, um, where that was like the true traditional hard farming jungle. But otherwise, this was like Lee Sin. Uh, there was a Jarvan that was running around, you know, these really traditional LPL champions. So I think that was really cool in terms of the development of Sunni because it wasn't them winning in the way that you kind of would have expected them to win, which was, oh, he probably got a hard farming jungler and then they had priority in all of their lanes and they just got you know level advantage and then came into a team fight and won it was actually some really back and forth lane phase sometimes um not necessarily always having priority in the lanes outside of the top lane and really much more emphasis on uh, gank heavy play and coordination in team fights and so to see that development of suiting has been really cool from spring uh 11th place summer finishing fourth now going to a world final yeah, and additionally, just the what we've seen in this tournament has also felt like a huge story of development, not just obviously, of course, in their year domestically, but also in groups, we kind of expected to be the team that this is a team that wasn't going to come back from deficits, they're going to come out, they're going to smash you, it was going to be the SOFM show, you know, and it was either going to work or it wasn't. And then they had some pretty solid comeback wins, you know, um, comeback moments. And even in game one in this series, there were some times where it really felt like they were down now, you know, and were managed to, to bring it back a lot of that due to uh, having a guy like Ben on your team and Ben, of course, having a fantastic series. Overall, it feels like Sooning have gone from a team that was on my radar because just because they were kind of an LPL team. You know what I mean? Just because the LPL teams are scary, <laughs> just because you can never count them out, just because you can never underestimate them unless their name is LGD. Uh, sorry, boys, the shots are just going to keep coming. Um, but now, like, Sooning, I just feel like is 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 a big deal and is a big team that has to be respected, especially after the way that they played their last few games. Now, I will say some caveats here. As much as I love support of SOFM and as much as I love what Angel was bringing to the table, Sword Art... Mixed bag of a series. Tom, we want to talk about. Bob. He was online. He was offline. He was on, yeah. He was online, but sometimes which team was he online for? Sometimes this man was getting caught out, and ultimately it didn't really cost him that much. But still, like Sword Art was Sword Art was getting caught a lot. And then on the opposite side, for the second time this tournament, Jackie Love. Now, admittedly, that Akali was always going to one shot him, but he did line it up for her a few too many times in that final game, and definitely got caught out in a few games before that as well. And I was. I didn't expect to see Jackie Love have any more kind of sloppier performances this this uh, this world, especially after he got so 
uh, absolutely bodied by Reckless and Hillisang in those first few games. So here's the thing about um, Jackie Love. Like, the importance of him winning Worlds in the first iteration with Invictus Gaming is that, uh, again, IG were the crownless kings. They hadn't won a title before mm. going to the World Championship and picking it up. And a lot of that was actually due to, like, clutch moments, like getting so close, and then something like a forward flash from Jackie Love. And it's not the only thing that cost them, but it was something that kind of repeatedly stood out this uh guy who had a lot of hype uh, building around him. You know, he was coming of age, turning 17. He'd already been through um, the development system. People really wanted him. And so, you know, the kind of the next prodigy, if you will, of LPL uh, carries. And then for him to be in, I think it was the KT series, if I remember correctly, he had, I think, um, that really crazy flash forward. And it was, I remember watching it and being like, oh no, Jackie Love's going to do that thing where he flashes forward and he throws a team fight, but he flashed forward and they won the team fight. And it, it was kind of like this turning point of, yes, conquering the demons, winning the world championship in your rookie year. All of this is incredibly impressive. And then um, goes away, has a really strong other year where he was actually like, not the hard carry, but the big reason why Invictus Gaming continued to be relevant is because Jackie Love's performance was so stable and so consistent. And so you, you really saw this maturing, this growth. Contract issues come down. He then ends up on top esports. But the thing was, is like, he's been struggling domestically with his 2v2 laning with Yuanja. And I do think that, that, you know, you can't always put that on Jackie Love. A lot of that is, and I think was demonstrated in the Fnatic series, responsible for the support. Yeah, for a- sure. And in that, uh, you know, Akali game, the last game against Suning, you know, Yuanja, sometimes it it was his issue where the devourer either didn't come through or maybe Jackie Love wasn't communicating well. Like, you don't necessarily know where to place the blame. Yeah. But this, this uh, tendency, and this is why it's real, and I talked about it on the analyst desk, it's actually such a phenomenal pick to watch Jackie Love on because it has so many tools to let him skirt that line to finesse the maximum damage output and if you look at his um, damage numbers per minute they are absurd it was something like 800 like just ridiculous uh it is actually insane to look at how much damage an Ezreal with Iceborne Gauntlet <laughs> and, and, and Muramana can do. You, Just, it is ridiculous. You do expect Ezreal to put out big numbers, but you know when he was on Gen and when he was on Ash, you mm. start to see some of the, not holes in gameplay, but I guess habits or tendencies where you know if your support isn't on the Tom Kench and the Tom Kench isn't on point, you can be really punished heavily. So I'm not saying that it's the wrong play. Like I would rather have or watch an AD carry um, at that level who's like right on the line, like maximizing their damage output, flashing forward, be the aggressive one. But you can see that when team fights were coming down to out execution, it wasn't just in that final Akali game versus the Assassin that would be hard to play. It was also in game one against the Wukong. There were several key team fights, several key moments where Jackie Love um, was getting caught out of position and, and some of these tendencies cropping back up yeah you absolutely see it and i think you see it to a certain degree especially in some of those ash moments in the previous game where he's clearly consistently trying to play on the edge and i think that the there is difficulty and i think that when tes look at this world championship they will look back at their duo bot and the synergy specifically between their duo bot and go okay like what went wrong here because obviously ash is a strong independent carry who don't need or not ash Ezreal's a strong <laughs> independent carry who don't need no support you know he can kind of peel for himself he can take care of Senna himself. the same Senna to a certain and that degree. was his other big champion yeah. this tournament yeah and the other thing about the ash and the gin is that yeah to a certain degree well the gin you know with enough crit chance can obviously get enough movement speed to kind of zoom around and can look kind of like he can peel for himself even if it's a little bit difficult but you saw jackie love trying to kind of abuse that slow kind of trying to play just on the just skirt around just try to get that little bit of extra damage i think what's really cool is um 
again, knowing that Jackie Love used to be a Draven one trick. Now think about like what a Draven one trick style would be. How would they probably play the game? You're getting you're getting in. They're every getting in your face. Hits. They're gonna maximize the damage output. It's about sidestepping, catching the axes, making sure that you keep that. And you can see that in Jackie Love. You can see the 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 fingerprint, the muscle memory, that killer instinct. You know, no matter what champion he's playing. And so it's just like a fun thing. I still think there's some maturing to do. Obviously, a very talented AD carry. Um, Huang Fong also went through the Invictus Gaming uh, youth program, had his short stint on the sis their sister team, Young Glory. Uh, primarily, like the kind of differences in champion pools, Huang Fong's much more of a Jin misfortune Ezreal player. Mm -hmm. Whereas Jackie Love, that was actually the first time that he's shown his Jin in quite a while, at least I think this world, I think it was the first time that he'd shown the gen. it'd been primarily the Senate and the Ezreal. Um, so there were slight champion pool differences and you could see like them fighting over the Ezreal. And I think that was also in tandem because the supports were just like piecing out of lane. They're like, you know, I got, I got places to be. I got mid lane priority to get. I got to team up with the jungler. And then you have a champion like Ezreal that can set up these 1v1 dueling scenarios. And both of them took it <laughs> on either side of the coin flip. Yeah, I think that given the importance of bot lane priority, like obviously a lot of people are going to are going to sleep on Ezreal and are going to talk more about the Ashes and the Jins. But from what we've seen in this series and even from what we saw in the Dawn 1 versus G2 series, Ezreal to me just feels like all around as a champion. I guess this has just been the case as long as Ezreal has existed as a champion. He's just so reliable. You know, he doesn't die. He stays even in CS. Even if he's behind, his two-item spike is better than most two-item spikes in the game and is cheaper if you're going to actually play out the team fight well and you're going to hit your Qs. Now, in theory, he's not as reliable because you have to hit the Qs, but at a professional level, when you can land everyone, especially on a mobile champions like Ash and Jin, he just looks nuts. I mean, he looks nuts when people who are piloting him are talented. And I think sure. that's, you know, no flame. But even on the professional level, you can see some players get gapped when it comes to executing on these very intensive mechanical champions. You know, I don't think it's any coincidence that Karsa and SOFM, um, when they play Lee Sin, that it looks completely different than when anyone else is playing the champion. And that it continued to work in this meta, on this stage, in this moment. And I think Ezreal is in a similar vein. You know, when Perks is on Ezreal, those numbers were ridiculous. It looks so much more more confident more comfortable but like you said if if you miss all the skill shots then Ezreal looks like a pretty worthless champion where yeah he's throwing out some poke but you don't really feel it and Huang Fong Jackie Love um I think had phenomenal performances on the Ezreal Huang Fong in his last game he eat twice out of uh the snap Oriana ultimate yeah. once in the mid lane and then once on the uh one of the dragon fights and it was just like like the dragon fight one, he then immediately like flashed over the wall and like died to Graves flashing in his face. But I was like, for a split second, I was like, damn, this boy's on fire. He's so gone. Oh, never mind. <laughs> Just like the actual immediate inflation and the deflation of hype in the moment. Like those, there are so many moments like that in this series. And I think especially like game four is obviously the one that I hold on to the most freshly in my mind and it like sticks out to me the most. But it just felt, it felt so impossible. And the thing that I love about LPL teams is similar to one of the things that we like from G2 is that they're never... They're never going to go quietly into the dark night, right? They're going to fight, 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 fight. But there are just so many fights where you can see that they're both behind in this game. And no matter how much armor the Orn builds, he might be unkillable, but no one has to pay attention to him. And I feel bad for 369 because I think 
I think you could see tilt. Like, I don't want to say that conclusively. I don't know this dude. I don't know what his comps are. But he missed a lot of QE combos on Orn. He was like a tenth of a second too early, like five to ten times in that late game. I don't think we saw great performances from either player on Orn. Uh, ben in 369 didn't seem to be struggling on uh, the champion. Um, just to kind of tie up our Ezreal point before we do move on to a top lane discussion, I also think one of the beauties of Ezreal is how versatile he is in terms of like his different matchups. Like you sure. wouldn't say that Ezreal Leona is like the greatest 2v2 comparatively, like, I don't know, Misfortune Leona. Um, but again, the fact that he can be left alone, that you can kind of pair him with everything, uh, I think adds to his strength. But um, moving on into like the top lane discussion and, you know, tilt in general, um, I don't know. He's a he's named three six nine. Sometimes he rolls a three, a six, six and a, a nine. nine. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there were some threes. There were some. There were some nines. I think Ben certainly got the better of him. One of my concerns for Sooning and Ben facing off against Damwon is how complete of a package Damwon are in terms of their flexibility and versatility in draft and that every single member um, can play kind of both sides of the coin or everything that you would want. And I don't think that's necessarily true for Sooning right now. I think that particularly in the top lane, uh, they haven't shown the same comfort on tanks. You know, Ben is primarily a, a tank or excuse me, a carry player. And if you yeah. go back and look at their draft phase, they are, they almost a hundred percent ban Orn. Like, Ben played it in this series. It it didn't really look that great. Um, Most banned by Sooning, 86% according to Game of Legends is Orn. Yeah, they they don't like it. He doesn't play tanks. And, you know, when you are kind of giving up more resources, then my, my question becomes, you know, in the matchup versus Dom one, I think that there is room to kind of outmaneuver uh, Sooning in draft phase. And theoretically, that tells me that that... Uh, Dom one have more weapons and tools, but I thought the same thing for for top. I was like, you know, three six nine is slightly more versatile than Ben. Cars uh, is slightly more versatile than SOFM. Um, Knight should just be a better player or a cut above Angel. Um, the bot lane I think is actually like a wash, but I thought the top side of the map would would hold strong for top, and it didn't. It just not utterly collapsed, but Knight looked pretty invisible this series. Yep. Um, three six nine had very inconsistent moments, and Carsa I think. Had had some lows in his early games in some of his games. I think there was like a Lee Sin game where early game didn't look great. I think his Graves game, like he was trying his, his hardest to try to pull that one back, but it just wasn't enough. Yeah, and we had three Oriana games from Knight in this series. And don't get me wrong, Oriana's a fantastic champion and it's a good champion in the hands of Knight, but it was surprising because when you look at both of those players that you bring up, like champion diversity is the name of the game we got silas we got lucian we got gallia we got nocturne the echo i've already talked about we got the zoe the cinder the akali the jace like night it feels like even at this world's even with the limited number of games that he could play outside of oriana and silas he's never played a champion more than once which is crazy to me and it's a similar story for 369 you know he's got the scion the gp the vladimir the renekton and it felt so much this series like there's a lot of safe bets and not a lot of like creative answers or counterpicks. And some of that is the priority on red side that you talked about. They didn't get the luxury of counterpicks. So maybe they didn't feel as comfortable going for some of these more creative options. But I was, I'll say, underwhelmed because I knew a, I like expected a lot from the top side of um, top esports based one on reputation and two on what we had seen so far in the tournament. And I do think it, it did fall flat a little bit. Yeah, I think. I mean, obviously, one of the greatest strengths of Oriana is she's such a strong blind pick or yeah. such a safe blind pick. And so, you know, you can't always be like, uh, Knight only played the Oriana mm -hmm. when the team decision could have been, okay, we need to take a blind pick here for our mid laner because we feel that we need to get a counter pick elsewhere to create a different strong side of the map um, to try to leverage 
that direction. Yeah, so, sure. you know, being a team player. Um, in, so in the conversation of best mid laner and LPL, predominantly the two names that came up were Knight and Rookie. And I think the difference between these guys, um, no one will ever take a crack at Knight's mechanics. Watching him play on certain uh, champions is just beautiful to watch. He's very, very talented. But he doesn't have the same uh, map awareness or map read that a guy like Rookie does. And like the most general way to say that is like Knight will not take over a map in the same way that like a Caps or a Rookie can that kind of like defines their play style. And on a champion like Oriana, who's just usually going to kind of hang out into the lane phases looking for those team fights, you know, that's when Knight really shone. It's when his his team um, and Karsa in particular kind of impacts the map. He just gets to sit tight and be that lane mechanical dominant player that you need to be and then shows up into the team fights and has those crazy clutch moments that you're like, oh my God, this guy is unreal. And I think that's, again, if we're talking about like growth and maturing of uh, both of these teams and key individual players, I think that's where, where Knight needs to grow. And, you know, again, I think it, it draft is always like a team decision. So I'm not going to like pull him up on like the Oriana there. Um, I will say that I felt that Angel's impact, you know, he was much more willing to pull the trigger or much faster to pull the trigger. Sooning as a team, pulling Angel with teleports into team fights, yep. um, different lane assignments, like Knight had his pop off echo game, but otherwise they were just c- kind of invisible. If I had to make, uh, complaints or observations about Sooning. I think uh, while I'm speaking about lane assignments, the Jax game from Ben, the first one, he actually gets kind of lost, if you will, in the mid game where he can't quite figure out. There's like a part where his top lane's pushed uh, out. Renekton's like catching it by bottom wave and he's like, oh, do, do I go, do I we, do we swap bottom um, and then send, you know, everyone into the mid lane and play kind of like majority mid and then me bot? Do we do we go for Herald? And he starts running towards mid lane like he's going to take a dive and he goes back towards the Herald. And it's it's very small things. But because you are facing Dom one, you know, if, if Ben kind of loses the plot <laughs> for three minutes in a in a mid game, it didn't punish him because they eventually got the scaling jacks. But those are the those are the types of holes that I am concerned of, and you can kind of see some of the greenness still of Sooning and the fact that they are a relatively uh, inexperienced team. And that's a good question. We're gonna get to talk more about the final series, but y- you bring it up, and part of the reason why we're a little nervous about showing any signs of weakness against Damwon is it turns out they're really good. Um, and now we get to talk about my least favorite series of Worlds so far. Um, for obvious reasons, uh, Damwon Gaming versus G2 Esports. I am so bummed that this is how this series played out because ultimately, like, I felt like this is my TLDR, right? For, and, and if you have any, you can take from this what you want. Let me know if you have anything to add or if you think I'm completely wrong here. To me, this felt like a series where G2 kept throwing punches and they were just shit punches. <laughs> like, G2 were punching, like, welterweight amateurs they were throwing these plays they weren't respecting what was going on and it just felt like every time they tried to do anything even remotely sloppy damon gaming just slapped him down and never gave them a chance to come back i think you know in game one as soon as a hecarim and a gp get ahead you're like okay i guess it's how did that happen go next um <laughs> fastest game at worlds i just it did feel that g2 were trying to flip on skirmishes that mm. they shouldn't have been trying to flip on. Uh, you know, I think the the one that stands out is the Scuttlecrab skirmish where they didn't have priority in bot lane, if I remember correctly. And is this game one? 
Uh, I think it was game two, in all honesty. And I don't remember. The support got there first, basically. It was just kind of like a head-scratcher. You have a head-scratcher moment where uh, Caps loses the 1v1 in the mid lane to Showmaker Silas versus Twisted Fate when his... Uh, wait, which... Well, I mean, there was multiple times the, over yeah, Scuttlecrowd okay. that, thing, like, G2 that were just... That's sucks, right? Is that there's so many examples. And I'm, I'm now I'm trying to remember because the ones that I was going to bring up is that game one, we have Leona, Barrel roaming up level four. G2 has lane prio, but Barrel's moving first because I, he just is comfortable leaving his AD carry under the tower. And I don't know if G2 aren't communicating what's going on. I don't know if they didn't see Leona moving up first somehow, or if they're just so set in this idea that because they have bot lane push, they're guaranteed man advantage. But they pull that trigger on that engage. They give Hecarim those kills. And then it just feels like already in game one, at that point in the game, we're praying for G2 to be the kind of team that can make this miracle comeback rather than the kind of team that can make these steady leads. And that, that was rough. Now, of course, you don't lose faith at that point. It's only game one. But then we saw again with the the random dives, the 1v1 mid lane you're talking about, where Perk's just like, I don't know what the hell the communication was there, but he just walks in and dies to the TF. And he's no stranger to that matchup. He's been playing that freaking matchup all tournament long. So, uh, and I think what the the feeling that a lot of European fans will have, and I know that like you and I seem to be expressing here, is that like it doesn't upset me that G2 lost. No. In my pickums, I had Dom 1 winning that. Damn. I predicted right. that Dom 1 were going to win. The thing is, is that I didn't want them to lose like that. That was that was brutal to watch. Yeah. And um I think it's really fair to say that uh, Mickey had a really questionable series, uh, really was struggling, got caught out a lot. I think the vision game from Dom One um, doesn't go appreciated enough, and that really did punish. Um, Yankos wasn't as big of a, a liability as I think a lot of analysts were projecting him to be in kind of the Canyon nope. versus Yankos matchup. But this was a lot of really weird head scratchers in terms of mechanical missteps that you normally don't see from G2. Usually we praise them for their mechanical ability and they were just fumbling. You know, you think about like the early Rakan Leona plays in lane phase, uh, 2v2 yeah, Mickey, bot side. Mickey losing that. Then you have the... The perks dive on Ash under the tower with the arrow. By the way, someone asked him about that in the press conference. And my favorite question of all time, because what the hell is he supposed to say? He goes, uh, yeah, so I thought I could kill him. Turns out I couldn't. All of G2's laughing. It's like, I get that you have to ask that question, but also what is Perk supposed to say? Like, yeah, I didn't respect the fact that he had hands, you know? Like, <laughs> he just, I didn't do the math. Like, what? what is the answer supposed to be? So, um... What I would have asked you to, like, no, because I think is, it's like, I think people ask awful questions in, and if you're sorry, like, just in, in general, because I think that there's like, you know, people like, so do you think you're going to win? And it's like, he, even if he doesn't think he's going to win, he can't say anything else. I would be like, what What do you think went wrong in uh, the draft phase? Because I think what was interesting is uh, mm -hmm. Yamato said it on Analysis. I think it's just a wonderful quote. You know, some teams, your tricks don't work on them. Yep. And G2 have a lot of tricks. I think the, the Lucian flex pick, you know, when they get funky in draft phase and they try to create like a, a specific matchup or a specific strong side or just like a specific window that they know that they can abuse in. And those tricks just didn't work on Dom One because they were so disciplined and precise in what they were doing and playing to their win conditions and never giving G2 so, any room to breathe. I like that, but do you think that that's something that the G2 were cognizant of? That like this is our trick, this is our this is something that we do that's like not I mean, when you're flexing Lucian like that, I mean they may now uh, be like that true, was yeah. actually a, mis <laughs> a mistake that's in true. hindsight. But I think it's pretty clear that, you know, this has been 
uh, kind of a staple of G2 that they their preparation has really been um, praised a lot domestically and usually internationally. You know, yeah. in uh, the China, they, they know G2 as the artists yeah. and talking about their creativity, the pike picks, these types of things. And, you know, that, that bag of tricks was meaningless against Dom One. They just played yeah, right. really clean League of Legends. There wasn't anything really special about what they were doing. And when G2 did also mess up, um, Dom One punished their mistakes super severely. It didn't look like G2 really pressured Dom One at maybe any point that series i think people will look at kind of like game two is the closest one but otherwise for yeah dom one that looked like a and, walk in the park yeah for sure and i don't want to take away from g2 obviously in game two once they were able to get a lead and they were able to use kind of their their global advantages they were still the g2 that we know right they were still able to close they were still able to punish nagari just repeatedly um it, it was a it was a good look overall um and again, from watching this press conference, you have these press conferences are a fantastic way to learn, even if some of the, again, here's my favorite answer. Um, someone asked, before I get to the serious answers, one of my favorite questions, uh, wonder what's the deal with uh, Omnistone Scion? Wonder, uh, yeah, sorry, don't think I feel comfortable revealing that because I might need it for the next world championship. <laughs> the entire team is like dying laughing. I feel so bad for this report. It's like the most useless answer. Like, you probably get one question in these press conferences. He's wonder. Like, he like really wants to know. Don't do him dirty like he's, that. He's like, I'm saving it for next worlds, but uh, people should definitely try it in solo queue. And that's that's like all he does. Like, God bless him. So like, and keep in mind, this is not like G2 being like, ha ha ha, this, this loss doesn't matter but they're clearly like you could hear in caps his voice when he was answering questions like he was he was devastated like i can't know for sure because obviously i'm just in that's my understanding from tone that's the tone that i would use if i was devastated maybe caps was having a time of his life it's hard for me to say but like they were clearly very torn up but they were still the team you know the european fans and the g2 fans know and love um they were still trying to make the most out of it and talk about it but the big thing they talked about was a lot of the same stuff that we have um grabs you know was super disappointed that g2 he didn't feel like g2 got to show the level that they were at and what ultimately hurt him the most he talked about was they didn't give fans a series to remember. And that's kind of why we're mad, right? Is that it's like, we didn't get semifinals G2. I don't know what we got that day, but that wasn't semifinals G2. Again, not even mad that they lost. Really mad at the the performance that they gave us. And it sounds like Grabs and the players are in kind of that same wavelength. And it's unfortunate because probably like history will rewrite it and conversation will turn into like, ah, you know, G2 were never that good at this world championship. It wasn't Yankos' meta, like this, that, and the other thing. But we we saw higher highs of G2 at this world's on tape than we got to see in that semifinal. And that's not saying by any means that, oh, you know, if a different G2 showed up, maybe they could have won. I still feel Dom won super heavy favorites, but like at least make them sweat. At least push them a little bit. Yeah, and uh, kind of to wrap it up, G2 giving a lot of the answers that we've been talking about for a long time. Um, Perks was going to talk about the differences in day one this year, last year. Meta favors day one very heavily. They've been playing this meta since the jungle changes. Everyone has, but the LEC pretty much. I mean, we say that, but the LPL is like over there, you know, kind of in a different ballpark. So LPLs do whatever the hell they want. They're like set jungle is viable I, when we think it's viable. Uh, those are the rules. I think it's more about like understanding what your identity is, what mm. your priorities are, and then making good on those promises by, yeah. you know, having the hands and and knowing what you're going well, to do. Yeah, and and the other thing that he talked about was like that there was room that he thinks that like if they could if they could run it back, maybe it had it was just about being better, or maybe they had to do what they had done historically, which was like to break the meta, right? And obviously neither of those things happened. The cool thing that he did say that was like 
it's cool to hear a player still find confidence even in a time of weakness. And he did say that, hey, if there's a loser's bracket, LEC runs it back and we win the whole thing. You know, like G2 wins Worlds. You know, like he's he's willing to say that. He's like, we're in World Finals, no question. You I know? think it is fair to praise then, like that there's a kernel of truth. Because there's the kernel of truth in there is the uh, level of development and adaptation that G2 can have. And we saw it in spring and summer, you know, fell down into loser's bracket domestically both times and then just like 3 out into finals. It's like they need to learn their lesson, but the more time that they have with it, the longer that they get to cook the better it looks but ultimately like not pulling punches uh the plan of g2 was to have a you know to to get to this moment and to push past the final hurdle and uh it was a a really rough year for all teams involved you know covid situation and things like that but at the end of the day there were higher expectations for g2 they didn't meet those expectations um it's disappointing for us it's disappointing for fans i know it's disappointing for them so not pulling the punches what the fiddlesticks guys <laughs> yeah and we'll have an interview with mickey here in a second and of course we'll do our good don't worry we're going to give them the same treatment that we've given every other U team that has gone out the the takeaway here is not to be mean to g2 don't worry we're, we're still going to give them the, the respect and the appreciation that they deserve after this interview but um final fun fact is that uh freaking kobe today we're trying to figure out why the g2 spam was coming through from the sooning boys and isn't I- it because of their own group a no, I have a theory. What is it? So I heard a rumor that G2 was destroying top in scrims. Yes, I heard the same rumor. Yeah, so my theory is they were trying to break the mental by any time <laughs> they did anything, spamming the G2 logo and hoping to trigger top esports. I heard if they beat Dom1, the tournament's free because they're living rent-free inside Top's head. And all I'm saying is Sooning... They're just trying to get a sublease, baby. That's all That's all those G2 emotes were. Um, not sure if it's true. We'd love to hear it in an interview at some point. Maybe someone will ask in the press conference um, and we'll get we'll get an answer. Wonder we'll we'll be like, later. we're saving the scrims world results <laughs> yeah, for next year. Sort of, it's like, we're, we'll tell you about that technology next year. Uh, sorry, we're, we're saving the emote tech for uh, Worlds 2021. <laughs> the emote tech has been, that's a real meta. Emotes are the greatest addition to competitive League of Legends ever. This meta, trash. 2019, way better. But emotes absolutely fire you'd love to see him um anyway uh lore sat down yesterday thank you law following yes thank you again Laura. Uh, and mickey as well thank you to mickey obviously very tough to do a losers interview but let's take a look at what uh mickey had to say after the loss versus demo gaming and thank you dracos law here joined by mickey mickey first off uh thank you very much for joining me i'm so sorry things didn't go your way today uh, do you have any first words about this series and why do you think it went this way before we go more deeply into things um, well, I guess I can say that they played much better and yeah, compared to scrims, we were playing much worse at least, or maybe Damo was just like that much better than all the te- scrims, uh, all the teams played against in scrims, but uh-huh. yeah, it felt really hard to actually play and I was also kind of just running it like the games we lost, so yeah. Don't, don't put too much pressure on yourself. I mean, uh, I, I know it was a difficult game. We knew how strong Dam one could be. Uh, and okay, do you mind if I mention scrim results now or not? Because I have a few questions about this. I heard you were dominating, dominating oh. the, fa- the past few days, uh, playing against Chinese teams mostly. So do you think the fact that you played against uh, maybe Suning or Top Esports, I don't know, maybe trips you off uh, coming up against Dam one in the sense that they play so differently? I mean, it could be, yeah. Maybe we got uh, fake confidence because, yeah, I think we were winning like 60% of scrims, which usually is not the case at uh, at like the later stages of the tournament. Like, yeah. for example, last year when we played like IG and FPX in scrims, I think we maybe won like 20% or 30 or something like that. <laughs> so it was like 
much better than last year. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think their players were just playing worse in scrims. Maybe they were limit testing, but <laughs> yeah, every lane just got advantages and it was just easier to play the game in general. But yeah, that, that one just played like all around really well, every individual. So yeah. How did you prep against them? Because watching the series against DRX, for example, I don't feel like we've seen enough from Damwon. Uh, I don't feel like we've seen enough from Damwon even in group stage. Uh, was it something you were also thinking coming into today's series? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of weird because they were kind of just stomping everyone. Um, they did make some mistakes, but uh, yeah, I mean, we just kind of tried to look at their most recent series like against DRX and try to pick out stuff from there but honestly most of the stuff were just like yeah they're playing well and <laughs> yeah they were just too but, good yeah they look unstoppable now I feel like the trophy is going back to the LTK this year but okay that's another topic talking about G2 as a whole uh, you changed a lot throughout the tournaments I mean uh, I don't feel like we've seen any uh, not anything but a lot from you guys in group stage for instance and the series you placed against Genji was so explosive so tell me about the improvements you guys met throughout the tournament that led you to uh, have the spot you had today yeah, I mean, I think throughout the tournament, I think we just got better as a team at our, around playing with uh, four meta junglers, which are Graves, Lilia, Nidalee, Kindred, I guess, mm -hmm. and playing more around jungle camps and invading together and just, yeah, playing around jungler more instead of him playing for our lanes. And I think we we're pretty bad at it at the start, so I was pretty impressed with how good we got at it at, by the end because we were, like, really bad at it, like, even in groups. We were kind of terrible. So in a short amount of time, we got pretty decent. And yeah, I mean, that's kind of it, yeah. L looking at G2 as a whole, I mean, from the beginning of summer to this run at Worlds, uh, given the fact that you had to adapt to a very different meta, as you mentioned, I think, I mean, I think it's huge, honestly. So what did you learn this year, and especially at Worlds, that can help you maybe next year in the LEC? Um... Hmm. I mean, I guess we learn how to play around jungle more. Mm -hmm. I think we could also try more of our uh, individual strats, I guess, because we were also trying out stuff like not the four junglers and stuff like Volibear. I think we played once in groups and set. We played a lot in EU. We didn't really play it much here. But we started playing it a bit recently and didn't look too bad. We just kind of stopped playing it because at the start we were getting stopped by a lot of teams. So we were just like, yeah. We're losing it with everything, so might as well copy the rest. Um, but yeah, I mean, not really sure what particularly we learned, except yeah, just playing around jungler better. Yeah, and, and playing more as a team. And playing differently as a team. That's how I would sum it up, at least. But um, uh, talking about your role, uh, for instance, I know we mentioned a lot of the jungle, but um, in the drafts, usually, we, I mean, we've often seen the last pick uh, being left to the support, and we've seen how diverse the uh, support meta could be. So what is your take on the your role within the World Championship and maybe the Leona pick? Because it seems to be a bit problematic. Uh, yeah, I mean... I think most of the time support gets to go last and yeah. Leona does seem pretty decent. Um, personally, I think if you have tenacity, you <laughs> kind of just don't care about her unless you get snowballed on, which we did. And game one, I kind of just ran it down uh, before I even hit level six. So 
I think if, it, if I just go even with Leona, I'll probably outscale her. And that's just kind of how she works as a champion. She kind of gets outscaled, but she's really strong mid game, mm -hmm. which they got a pretty big early lead on. And uh, yeah, I mean, just usually the AD carries are kind of the same, like Jin, Ash, Ezreal, whatever. So yeah. the one who gets counter pick support usually has push on the lane. And then uh, that means you can play around your jungler better. Yeah. around their camps. So. And this is why, I mean, draft is so important in this meta, but taking a step back and focusing on the teams that remains at Worlds, I mean, you are among the four best teams in the world, which is not nothing, honestly, given that the level uh, teams have displayed at Worlds this year. So how can you compare this to World Championship 2019, uh, for instance, maybe talking about LCK, LPL? I, I don't know if the LPL looks as strong as last year, for instance. Yeah, I mean, personally, I don't think LPL is as strong as last year, at least scrim-wise. Um, as I said, we were getting really stomped last yeah. year at this point, and now we're kind of winning against LPL teams. Um, LCK is for sure stronger. I think even DRX was a strong team, uh, at least when they played against us. <laughs> but I guess they played much worse on stage. At least they're both landed. I think they, lose, they lost like a lot of lanes. But yeah, um, I think overall the level is probably higher. I think everyone plays better as a team. Uh, it just feels like LCK is probably better than everyone right now. Yeah. So yeah, or at least Damwon. <laughs> I kind of agree. Yeah, Damwon seems to be like one step above the rest. Do you have this feeling that, I mean, yeah, of course, there's Damwon and then there's the rest of the LCK team, but I feel like Damwon is the perfect mix between the old LCK and the aggressivity that you have from the LPL combined. Does that make sense? Um, kind of, yeah. I mean, I think they just play pretty slow in terms mm -hmm. of they don't make many mistakes. So, for example, the second game where we didn't do much and they were kind of making plays and we reacted mostly, it turned out pretty good for us. But when we were trying to force pace ourselves and they were just, yeah, punishing our mistakes because we overreached, then they just kind of <laughs> snowballed really well and didn't leave many openings. So, yeah, I can see that there. Yeah, we, we talk about Damwon there. Let's talk about the other opponents you faced. Uh, any bot lane you will remember from this Worlds tournament, maybe? Uh, from this world's tournament specifically, mm -hmm. I think Deft and Caria were probably the best from scrims. From stage, well, I guess Damwon Botlin, or even TL Botlin played pretty well. Um, and obviously Fnatic Botlin, I think they performed probably the best. But then again, I think Top Esports Botlin is not very good. <laughs> so <laughs> they had kind of an easy job, or at least their support. But yeah. Um, I'll probably say Deft Carrier were the strongest I've faced this tournament. All right. Well, um, I'm going to let you go soon, Mickey. But before that, I want to thank you for this year with G2, for everything you did. Uh, on behalf of all the EU fans, you made us dream. And I mean, even today was an amazing series to watch, even if it didn't come out the way you expected. So first off, thank you, really. And is there anything you would like to add and say uh, to the EU fans that have been cheering for you? And also to Dracos and Frost, because they will be listening to this one. <laughs> well, first of all, sorry for anything. <laughs> I think uh, I was playing really bad today compared to the previous games I've had this Worlds. And yeah, I think thanks for cheering for us. We got a lot of support overall on, yeah, everywhere, Twitter, whatever. And uh, Better luck next year, I guess. Yeah. Hakuna Matara. In the end, thank you, Miki. Thank you so much for the interview. I'm looking forward to seeing you again next year in the studio. Hopefully things go better uh, in Europe. But yeah, again, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Laura.
Um, and again, thank you to Mickey. Shit. That's my first response. That was rough. Now, for context, anyone, I know a lot of people don't love losers interviews. I personally think they're really important. They're to really capture, important. To capture these moments, to understand what these players are going through. I think it really humanizes people, but also a reminder that Mickey could say no to that interview. That we ask because we think it's good content. So please do not flame Lore for that. Lore was doing her best to keep it happy, doing her best yeah, to keep Lore it positive. Yeah, Lore was like, like really Lore like, was tell me like, about the good things that yeah, you've done, how you like, feel. She's trying so hard to make it this positive Top four, thing. that's good. She's, yeah, you know, she's trying to cheer him up. And it's it's obviously, it's a tough, like, that. that's a feeling that I, you know, I have experienced many different levels of despair in my life. And that I, is not one that I have experienced. So hearts out to Mickey and all of G2. That was... That was brutal. Um, sorry for inting was the message. Um, it's all good, Mickey. Happens to the best of us, you know? Get Frost, him next Frost, year. I've inted Frost in promos. She's inted me in promos. I know that's not a world semifinal, but I'm sorry that's as close as we get. Um, it felt like one. It fe- oh, no. It was it was a dark time. But anyway, here's, here's the thing, is that if you're feeling like I'm feeling right now, which is like a little bit heartbroken... For, for the LEC's run this time around, it, maybe you had your heart set on, you know, the finals. I did. I certainly did. I, I expected G2 to be there, and I kind of hoped that they would win. And we probably all would have been sitting here in a week's time memeing the 3 like, ah, it happened again. But at least with smiles on our faces, knowing that G2 got there, well, that's no longer the case. So hearts out to all the G2 players. We've been critical of them. You have every right to be critical of them. But remember not to make it personal. Remember to keep it professional. Remember to keep it constructive. It's totally fair to be disappointed. It's totally fair to be like, come on, man, you got to perform better than that. It's not fair to shit on people. Um, And reminder for all the great things that G2 has done for us, because ultimately, whether or not you are a fan of G2, G2 have made the LEC stronger. Having a clear number one team is only bad for that number one team. It is literally good for everyone else. Because when it comes to improvement, G2 have pushed all the teams around them to level up. The reason we got to see Rogue maybe contest a little bit in some of those games, the reason that we're rising up, the reason our region gets four seeds, the reason Fnatic is so good now too, is due in part to G2. So, I mean, give respect where respect is due. Strongest team in Europe, ultimately knocked out in semifinals. Not the result that anyone wanted, but still a a respect. Imagine that world though. You know, we're here. Boohoo! Europe lost in semis. I wanted it to go to fight. Like, I understand that the expectations are higher, but that's ridiculously impressive. Uh, to quote Lord, top four, very Not impressive. Bad, yeah. And look, like, I think we do have to kind of check our our LEC privilege at the moment. <laughs> yeah, like ultimately, like this region has kind of exploded onto the international scene. The fact that we took away. The fact that we made it a top three and not a top four, the fact that like essentially LEC being so good has pushed NA out of the top three conversation is a big deal. The NAE versus EU rivalry is alive and well because we're all salty and you know that's just how it goes. We're going to fight each other to the death every tournament we get. But right now the LEC is head and shoulders above. 2015 double semifinals was the peak for us. Do not bring up World one, Season 1 World Championship. I do not care. Not everyone was playing league back then, people. I respect it. I respect Fnatic's achievement at the time, but it's not the same thing. Don't put it on the same level. Um, and one day, G2 won't exist. One day, true. this roster will not be here. And I know you guys get tired about hearing about how great they are. But if we don't sing their praises now, then when they're gone, you'll miss them. What happens? This is my question, Europe. What happens when G2 breaks up 
what happens, let's say Caps gets over it, Caps goes to NA, what happens when, you know, Perks is over it, but let's say Perks retired. Not that any of these things are happening in the near future. I don't want to scare you guys. There's no rumors. There's no evidence to support it. But either. it just means that, you know, like, relish the moment. Absolutely relish the moment. Rogue and Mad Lions uh, made, like, Rogue went from last pay- place, made it to Worlds in the next year. Boom. Had, like, finished first in the LEC, uh, showcased the power of Larson and Inspired. Mad Lions, in, like, their breakout year, took down G2 in a best of five, went to Worlds in their first year as an organization, brought up, like, these very young talents. Yes, they bombed out in play-ins, but... Holy fiddlesticks, did they get there. Fnatic took top to five games. They were on the edge of being able to almost even 3-0 them. Like, it was there for a glimpse. Europe saw it. Hilly and Reckless were like, no, 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 remember the name. Put us on the top 20 list. Like, we're in there. And G2... World record holders, fastest game ever. Oh my God. <laughs> and that's the thing. And like, and that's the thing. And like, if you want to make fun, you want to have fun, you want to meme about it. I respect that too. Because at the end of the day, like, look, Fnatic got to have a heroic exit, you know, like a tragic heroic exit. Rogue kind of went out quietly. Mad Lions went out embarrassingly. And now G2 get to go out in true G2 fashion hilariously. <laughs> Shortest game of the season. They got so absolutely destroyed. And just like... Would you have it any other way? Swat, just swat, like, <laughs> love your region, respect where LEC has come, respect how they've grown. I know I'm an American saying that to you, but this is this is the region that I have casted for my entire career. I love this region. I would not want to be anywhere else. But, like, respect the region, enjoy the region, but also swallow your pride a little bit and laugh at it because that's, like, that's all that there is left. You can be salty or you can let it go and believe that next year will be better, and that's what I think that people should do. Awesome. We were down to clown. We were down to clown. Sometimes, sometimes everyone's a clown. Sometimes you're just the clown. That's... <laughs> That is ultimately the lesson here for the LEC. Um, yeah, so final message just to G2. Fantastic performance. Cheer up, lads. Cheer up. It's going to be a brutal plane ride home. Plane rides, by the way, after big emotional thing. I don't know how many of you travel you're regularly. You're just trapped in a tin can with your own thoughts. Yeah, yeah, but like if you're ever sad, depressed, whatever, and you have to go on a 12-hour flight, bring a friend. Do not. Uh, it is literally being trapped alone in a giant metal box with your own thoughts, and it is not good time. So if the G2 players could step off the plane to a sea of messages um you can tell them we sent you or you can just say you know good things on your own behalf i personally say say good things on your own behalf but like let them know that you're still there if you're a g2 fan if you're a fanatic fan you're like g2 nice finish like i feel you but just like hold get give it a week you know let the wound heal you don't have to pour salt let the wound heal and then then get them then bring the rivalries back i do think uh, fanatic fans like there's a healthy balance for you here right now you can be like Nice finish, smiley face. Yeah, point you, made, and you're within the rules. Yeah, you get him with the sarcastic, the passive aggressive finish. You know what I mean? Without a true being, European like, style, vitriolic. <laughs> yeah. So regardless, I mean, again, tragic way to go out. Hearts out to G2 fans. Hearts out to all the European teams who've who've fallen away from this tournament one at a time, seemingly in perfectly synchronized fashion, like divers. First Mad Lions and Plans, followed immediately by Rogue and Groups, followed immediately by Fnatic and quarterfinals, and now G2 and semis, like. We really had a coordination. The seed is working. (laughs) Yes. Our seeds are actually the seeding is working. Very accurate. There it is. Rip. Oh, my God. We don't even get a four seed this next year, do we? Because we didn't make it to finals. Is that how that works? I have no idea. Don't. That's. We're not talking about that because we don't know how that works. That could be fake news, guys. That could be fake news. You guys are used to it, though. You love fake news. It's 2020. Everybody loves fake news. Anyway, um, that's it for LEC, guys. And that's uh, it's a bummer, honestly. Um, but Danwell Gaming were the better team. Danwell Gaming played absolutely fantastically, and they deserve all of the credit for that win. I think Dom won win. I really want Suning to win, though. 
I think Dom won win too. Let's talk about it. Um, I so. think, well, I mean, I said it earlier. I think Dom won have like more versatility, mm-hmm, more flexibility. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm, what was really mm-hmm. important is that they pulled out the Hecarim pick and that was yep. kind of like the one thing, the one string that was missing. Uh, from their uh, bow. Just, they're, they're so disciplined. They haven't been pushed. I think their creativity and draft, how they were getting around the Leona problem with like the early Caitlyn pick that we talked about, which then meant that you'd have to like ban the Morgana. If you see the Morgana ban, then you ban Leona's like the, the response, like... It just big brain, so many tools, so well played, so, great mechanics. I think the only way that Suning win that game, and I keep saying this, is like Suning would just have to outplay them. But Suning keep doing that. Suning do keep doing that. Suning keep blowing my mind. Suning are really impressive, and I think that I love such loved, a cool story. Yeah, I, again, oh my god, Juan Fong. We all like again. If you have not read the translation of that you article, have to go read it, guys. You need to go read it. I say this every stage, but you need to read the freaking article. I'll see if we can get it linked in the description. If 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 it's not linked in the description, if you are in YouTube land or wherever this is posted, please link it in a comment because this article is so good. Also, if one of you could link the Rick Astley video just for the old sake memes, just to throw people off. One Rick Astley. How would video. you do that to them? One Rick Astley video. One. Uh, a very different tonal shift. <laughs> one thing. That's what I'm saying. Give this one. Oh, my God. Oh, it's, it's the palate cleanser. It's the palate, it's the palate cleanser because this is a very, actually very sad. But just remember, he made it to a world final. He did make it to a world final. That's incredible. I'm excited for him. I'm also excited for Downwell Gaming because for, for them and for the LCK, this is such a cool turnaround. Because it's kind of been... It's been... Depre- I imagine it's been depressing being an LCK fan. Because losing to Europe... Probably the first few times it happened is not is a kind of a badge of shame because we weren't super hot in 2016, 2017. But here's my thing. Like, I, I like I really want to have that moment to like celebrate the revenge of the LCK. But I just feel like it's a better story and it feels sweeter if it's the rise of Dom Juan. You yeah, know what I mean? think the rise of Dom Juan is. Better. And these are these are slightly different things, even though both things can be true at the same time. Sure. I just think the more important thing is the rise of Dom Juan, the evolution and growth. And that's what's cool between both these teams, Suning and Dom Juan. The evolution and growth that they've made over the course of the year to lead them to this moment and then yep. to have the opportunity to play in front of fans in the era of the global pandemic, to play for the uh, Summoner's Cup, like... That's what's cool to me. So a lot of the conversation will be like, yes, LCK, back in a finals. The revenge of LCK, they're back. Yes. And I'm like, no, the more important thing is the growth that Dom one made yep. as a team to forge themselves into what what people always knew that they could be. Yeah, I agree. Team first, region second. If you Woo! are a DRX fan and you want to say, I, I, I want to be excited about this because it's the LCK, I get that. DRX kind of got bodied. It's fair. If you want to put your faith in another team. If you're a Danwon fan, make sure you put that faith there. If you don't have a horse in this race, celebrate Danwon first. Same is true for the opposite side. Celebrate Sooning first. And if you love dark horses, Sooning are your horse. That little, is it a lion or is it a Harry Potter fire bear? Also, I think it's hilarious now that they represent. It. <laughs> oh my God, Harry Potter fire bear. Is it, is it that Digimon? It might be that Digimon. Anyway, Leomon. Let's Leomon. Let's not get them in trouble for potential copyright infringement. Cut that one out, Phil. They're definitely not going to come after us. <laughs> um, also, it's funny because you said that they're like Chinese Best Buy, right? Yeah, they're like uh, so uh, ima- they um, buy like electronics <laughs> from them. Imagine Best Buy winning the world championship if you're an American, or like Media Mart slash Saturn uh, if you're in Deutschland team right Best now. Team Best Buy to the world team final. Team Media Mart winning the world final. You're like, God damn it, we're never gonna live this one down, are we, Europe? Um, yeah, so we all. We all might lose the media mart this year, guys. It's just, it, it is what it is. Uh, but it's, uh, it's a good-ass story. So shout out to Sooning. It's not just another year of LPL dominance. It's not just IG winning over and over again. It's not just FPX winning over again. 
this new team. For context, um, so Pudong Stadium, there's more than 6,000 fans allowed. They're doing like social distancing. It's all like, you know, legit as, as you would expect. It's like 6,300 something. So big crowd. Really going to be funny to see what a meticulously socially distanced arena looks like. Though I haven't <laughs> seen like, one of those. They're yet. like, don't, don't show the audience. Because the thing is, is in that shot, that's not, that shot doesn't look how you want it to look. It, when you pan across the audience and just like giant like people in like who i don't know hula it's just like massive space they each around. have their own bubble just sitting in the audience it's like they're doing the wave it, it just literally, takes it right literally you got like security guards dressed up like ghosts they're all in their bubbles it looks like a freaking pac-man level it just, <laughs> it's gonna be baller it's gonna be dope as hell i'm excited that people get to watch the world final i'm really actually i say we mic up every single fan let them let them i haven't heard crowd noise and since I was a boy, it's been so long now. I want to, I want to hear it so bad. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, um, we we didn't really get, a, we didn't talk a lot about finals predictions, but guys, a lot is going to change for the finals prediction. So just turn in for the finals pre-show if you want to hear for for more what's going on there, because it is going to be an absolute banger. Even if EU doesn't get to be a part of it this time around, I'm sure there'll be some crazy sick opening ceremony. And again, really. I mean, we've forward. had all the the dragons. We had Earth cloud ocean infernal. infernal does that mean that the last one is i have no idea actually so i'm not spoiling anything i literally dumb don't know is it elder will we get a lava floor will we have the elder dragon fly back in <gasps> the return later in his career he's old now he's washed up his second album was terrible poor elder dragon he's like he just gives a sloppy performance Jay Chow's like, get it together, man. We're at the world final. I don't know if Jay Chow's there, by the way. I'm just making assumptions based <laughs> now on Now if this year. all comes true, we're going to get such an angry email. <laughs> They're like, how could you leak the strategy? Mm. Forget we said anything. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> if the Elder Dragon does come on stage, we didn't. Jay Chow. No. Okay. We did not know. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, this has been Euphoria World. <laughs> This has been Euphoria Worlds, episode five. I'm Dracus, that's Frosker, and we're gonna be signing off. Again, love to the European teams, love to the European fans. Be positive, take care of each other, and uh, good luck to Dom1 Gaming and Sooning in the finals.